I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Ho, 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 welcome back, everybody. How jolly. How jolly indeed. Welcome to a very Christmassy episode of Ridiculous Romance. Yeah. I'm Eli. I'm Diana. We're so excited to have you back. Uh, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, uh, whether you celebrate it traditionally, religiously, commercially, or whether you can't stand it and you just want it to go away already. Mm -hmm. um, either way, <laughs> I hope you're having a great weekend and that you're feeling full of joy and cheer. Yeah. Or at least tolerating all the joy and cheer as it washes over you <laughs> and brings you into a new year. I do know several people who have been watching horror movies for the last few nights. Oh, yeah. So perhaps they're combating all the joy and cheer with a little horror, <laughs> horrifying some people aren't Leather into sea. joy and cheer. I mean, I certainly can get my fill. Oh, sure. You know, uh, it doesn't take much. But I but I like feeling good. Yeah. More than not. So I try mm -hmm. to try to take the best that I can from it. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, you know, I love Christmas because I like lights mm -hmm. and nonsense. Right. 
And pine-scented candles. Oh, it's my favorite scent is pine. Love it. But I don't like it the rest of the year. Well, I, would, I wouldn't light a pine-scented candle in June or even February because it's just, it's wrong. Which is funny because you can go to a pine forest at any time of year yeah. and it just smells good and you don't think immediately of Christmas. But I think <laughs> right. you're right. If you were to suddenly have a pine-scented candle going in May or something, it would be like kind of weird. What is going on in here? It'd be like lighting a pumpkin candle right? in May. Outrageous. <laughs> like, what? I would never allow such a thing. <laughs> Spring flowers only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't want daisies in October, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, Diana and I collect ornaments. Mm -hmm. That's one of our, our things. Whenever we travel and stuff, we make sure we buy a Christmas ornament somewhere, something to hang on our tree. Yeah. I mean, we have And we write turned, the dates on it, you know, yeah. so we try to remember what yeah, year. Yeah, I always <laughs> write down that. where we were when we got mm -hmm. it and where we got <laughs> it So because of my memory's shit. I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I could never find an ornament, <laughs> so I just bought some salt and pepper shakers of a R Roger and Jessica and put some string on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're hanging on our tree right now. But it's a, it's a very meaningful tree. You know, everything on it has a story to it. Yeah. And I like that. Your parents are more, much more traditional tree with the tinsel and the garland and the ribbon and the ornaments, like, mm -hmm. you know, that you'd see, like the Rockefeller kind of thing. Yeah. And they it's beautiful. Have, well, I love they it, have but. a lot of, I, I guess you could call them meaningful. I guess they're old. I guess that's a better word. Right, right. <laughs> Inherited ornaments yeah. from years gone by. So yeah. they're not necessarily like, and I have a couple on our tree too uh -huh. that I took with me, but you're not necessarily like, I don't know whose this was. I just think it was somebody's grandma's <laughs> at some point. But, yeah. you know, it feels important to keep. Well, I am excited for our version of Christmas the world has given a gift to me because we're going to see The Matrix That's Resurrections right. tonight. And just real quick, I mean, like, you know, well, I'm not going to talk about it. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And I'm very anti-spoilers. But it is like The Matrix is my movie. You know, like when mm -hmm. I, I was 99, I was 15 when that movie came out. And I saw it six times in theaters and it was mind blowing and so cool. And not just like the philosophical red pill, blue pill bullshit that a lot of people get hung up on, but just the the energy of that movie, the choreography of that movie, not not just the fight choreography, but the way the story flows. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing about The Matrix, whether or not you've seen it. Uh-oh, <laughs> you, you got him started. I, could, <laughs> I, I won't go, and I won't go on, you know, a, a whole tangent here, but The Matrix is a series of monologues that different that's characters <laughs> give to Neo. <laughs> oh, that's and funny. he, until at the end of the movie, he gives his own monologue. <laughs> and that is the entire structure of that movie. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, Except for the effects, it'd probably be a good play. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I because mean, of that. Pick one out. You could audition with it. It's, mm -hmm. it's just everyone telling Neo a very long story. At one point, Agent Smith gives Morpheus a monologue. But other than that, it is just... <laughs> Everyone gives a man a monologue until he one day is eventually able to give his own. That's <laughs> a, the story of The Matrix. What a beautiful character arc. And before we go to number four here, uh, my, my expectations are tempered, you know, mm -hmm. especially we just saw Spider-Man, which was such an oh, incredible, God. but I, I'm just excited to see it. I'm just expecting a good movie yeah. uh, with some characters that I love. Talk about a ridiculous romance, but mm -hmm. Neo and Trinity are a great story. I'm <laughs> yeah. very excited to see another chapter of that despite the fact that neo has no character i know like you it's never true. you never learn why she loves him so much he never has a chance to show himself off besides he's selfless he wants to be a hero he wants to do the right thing great but yeah. we don't spend any time with him as a person right and yet i guess it's just keanu and carrie ann having just really great chemistry 
I want them to be together. I want them to be happy. <laughs> so anyway. And yeah, just Keanu and Carrie Ann. I'm just here to watch them do anything yeah. they'd like to do. They're fantastic. And they look great. <laughs> I mean, they do. In their they late really 50s. They look great. Um, I guess everybody looks great in their late 50s now. You know, late 50s are the new late 20s, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and if millennials have anything to say about it, it's going to stay that damn way, it. damn it. <laughs> We're very image conscious. We're perpetually in our late 20s. <laughs> I don't want to grow up. I'm a millennial kid. <laughs> but those are not the celebrities we're here to talk about today. No. No. Today, we're doing a quick, fun little story about a beloved Hollywood couple that has been together for almost 40 years now. Mm -hmm. And the secret to their longevity? Well, that's a pretty unconventional answer for most of us and by most standards. But to Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, this is the thing that held them together through the good times and the bad and brought them all the way from the shores of Oregon in Overboard to the North Pole in the Christmas Chronicles 2, where they play Santa and Mrs. Claus. Yay! And I think that's what sparked the idea for us to do this episode. Yeah. Was, hey, it's Christmas, let's do Santa and Mrs. Claus. Let's take a closer look at this uh, this very unconventional romance from these two superstars. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. So Kurt Russell, Ugh. the king of cool. He was born in 1951 in Springfield, Massachusetts. And his father, Bing Russell... Bing. That's a great name, it's honestly. Great name. Kurt Russell's dad could only be named Bing. That's such a 20s type name. I know, to, right? I know he was obviously not born in the 20s, but like that's such a turn of the century oh, name classic. to me. Yeah. Bing. Bing. Hey, it's Bing. Oh, Bing, old boy. Get on over here. Hey, guys. Party started. Bing's here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bing Russell was, of course, also an actor, because mm -hmm. with a name like Bing Russell, you got to be. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, and Kurt Russell's mother, Louise, was a dancer. So big, big arts mm -hmm. performing family. Kurt has three sisters, Jill, Jamie, and Jody. Uh, I can relate to that. Uh, being are the only older? boy with a bunch of sisters. I couldn't find their birth order. It'd just be funny if they were like three J's and then they got to a son. They're like, I guess we'll move on to the next letter of the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They grew up together in the Los Angeles suburb of Thousand Oaks. And in 1963, when Kurt Russell was 12 years old, he got his first acting gig in an Elvis movie called, Oh, uh, it, uh, it happened at the World's Fair. Elvis, is that you? <laughs> That's him. It Happened at the World's Fair is a film with a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, Dennis Schwartz, a reviewer, said it was a movie, quote, for diehard Elvis fans or lovers of flicks that are set at the World's Fair. So, I think that's my favorite Netflix categories, <laughs> films set at the World's Fair. There's two. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, and you want to play them over and over. <laughs> So anyway, Kurt Russell's performance was uncredited. Again, he was a 12-year-old boy. He played this kid who Elvis stops and says, hey, kid, I'll, I'll give you a quarter to kick me in the shin real hard. Uh, he, see, I looked it up. Sorry, and, no context. That's hilarious. <laughs> right? Like, what's wrong with this guy? It's a great part. I would have killed for this it. part. <laughs> so good. Um, 
so the, the the story is apparently in this scene that Elvis wants to meet a girl who's a nurse. So oh, he tells the kid, okay. like, hey, why don't you injure me a little? So I'll have an sure, excuse sure, to go sure. talk to this nurse. Oh. I, it feels like you could just fake a limp or something I at mean, that point, but whatever. So <laughs> the kid, Kurt Russell, does. He takes the quarter. He kicks him in the shin. And, uh, and then Elvis limps away. And Kurt Russell turns almost directly to the camera and goes, adults. They're all nuts. <laughs> it's a great delivery True. from a from a soon-to-be superstar. <laughs> On Graham Norton, Kurt Russell, just a few years ago, was doing an interview about this. He said, I kicked Elvis maybe a little too hard. Oh. And he didn't really understand who Elvis was at the time. Sure. I mean, but, 12, you yeah, know. Yeah, right? Like, I've heard the name. Mm-hmm. But then Elvis showed up on set in a car where they were filming at the actual World's Fair. And he said 3,000 women just tackled the car. Oh. And Kurt Russell was like, yeah, this guy must be pretty famous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And he was soon cast in the titular role of an ABC Western series called The Travels of Jamie McFeeters. <laughs> Jamie That's McFeeters. such a 1960s character name. And that series is about, quote, a boy, his ne'er-do-well father, and a ragtag group of pioneers traveling westward from Paducah, Kentucky to the California gold fields in 1849. Paducah, Kentucky. I know. You've got some family so history cool. there. Yeah. Well, Paducah to California is a long journey. That's it how is. much I know. <laughs> <laughs> and this show led to him signing a 10-year contract with Walt Disney Studios. Through the 60s and early 70s, he was in movies like... Follow me, boys. The horse in the gray flannel suit. The computer wore tennis shoes. And the barefoot executive. <laughs> so just a lot of wacky titles for Disney, I mean, I that's back in the day. They <laughs> loved those crazy titles. So, so anyway, Kurt's in all these crazy-sounding movies for Disney, and he was also guest-starring in non-Disney projects, just racking up credits like a madman. Yeah. And then in 1968, Disney was like hot off the musical success of Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, everybody's heard of those. Right. And they decided it's time to crank out another classic hit. Well, you know, after those two, like, you got to come out swinging. Oh, yeah. Mary Poppins and Sound of Music. Something big. Whatever Disney comes out with next is going to stand the test of time. Gotta be. Gotta be. So... Kurt Russell was cast as the teenage son, Sidney Bauer, in the movie we all know and love, the one and only genuine original family band. No? Bueller? Hello? Anybody? Anybody? Are are the fans out there cheering? (laughs) You're not uh, familiar with that one? (laughs) People just had to pull over to to get out of their car and jump up and down and cheer. I mean, some diehard Disney classics fans really love this film, but at the time, the New York Times called it, quote, about as pepless and fizzled a musical as has ever come out of Walt Disney Studios. (laughs) Pepless and fizzled. Yeah. Yikes. Please don't describe me that way um, in my obituary. (laughs) The LA Times said the film, quote, is, I'm afraid, the worst Disney movie in a long time. Oh, man. But none of that matters because the main thing that matters about this movie is that an actress five years older than Kurt Russell made her big screen debut as Giggly Girl. And that actress 
was Goldie Jean Hahn. Goldie. I love Goldie Hahn. They spoke briefly on set, but Kurt was a star in the movie and just a teenager. Right. Uh, Goldie Hahn was in her early 20s and she had more of a cameo role, so they didn't really have a lot of time to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been inappropriate anyway. So Kurt Russell continued his acting career, but in 1971, he decided he wanted to be a baseball player in addition to being an actor. So he started out in the minor leagues, and then he played for the Portland Mavericks. Strike three, you're out! Which, incidentally, was a team that his dad owned. Uh, But uh, surely, yeah, just a coincidence. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact (laughs) that this movie star got on the team. I mean, oh, okay. Listen, he probably did play well enough to get on the team. But the thing is, is that someone else would have not had the tryout at all unless the dad owned it. So I'm just saying. A little bit, sure. (laughs) Still counts. Baseball nepotism, it happens. Oh, yeah. Um, And he did play well. He did okay for a couple years. He was a second baseman, but he had a shoulder injury that kind of got him out of the game. It pretty much ended his baseball career in 1973. So he refocused on acting, and he starred in Disney's sci-fi comedy The Strongest Man in the World in 1975. And then, in 1979, at 28 years old, he returned to his his Graceland roots <laughs> to play Elvis oh. in this TV movie called Elvis, which was directed by John Carpenter. Oh, cool. Yeah. I never knew John Carpenter made an Elvis movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a, a, a miniseries, and Kurt Russell ended up getting an Emmy nomination for his work in that. Mm. And, of course, he started a working relationship with John Carpenter, sure. which led to him being in Escape from New York. And that sort of started his career as an action star. Yes. I'm sure they're like, can you play Elvis? And Kurt Russell's like, oh, me and Elvis go way back. <laughs> Kicked him in the shin once. <laughs> he a gave me a quarter. Too hard. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah, sure, we could go through his IMDb page and just list off all the cool things. And which I'll add uh, includes in 3,000 Miles to Graceland, he played an Elvis impersonator. Well, thank you very much. So oh, a lot sure. of Elvis wow. in Kurt Russell's yeah, career, right. actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do we even need to mention? Big Trouble in Little China, we one shouldn't. of the finest we films shouldn't. ever. Beautiful. Backdraft, work. Stargate, oh, yeah. Tombstone. Forget it. Forget it. Forget Tombstone, it. one of the best movies ever made. Incredible. Some of the best performances. Val Kilmer in Tombstone is one of my I, top ten I, I was gonna performances say, of all time. As good as everyone is in that movie, that uh-huh. movie kind of belongs to Val Kilmer, in oh, yeah. my opinion. He yeah. makes it so iconic. Yes. That performance is incredible. I love him so much. He's amazing. But Kurt Russell, of course, incredible Wyatt Earp. So also and, like born to play Wyatt Earp. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I was like, uh, who else could ever play Wyatt Earp? <laughs> but yeah, we're not here to read you Kurt Russell's IMDb page no, and no. get all excited Exciting about everything he's ever done. Because we want to talk to you about the man's love life. Yes. <laughs> we're nosy like that. <laughs> and back in 1979, when he was making Elvis, Kurt married his co-star, Season Hubley who is a now retired actress. Together they had one son, Boston Russell, and they divorced in 1983 for unknown reasons because it's none of your business, you busybody. <laughs> Get Boston, out of my life. Boston Russell is is a dog breed, right? I mean like Russell. a Boston Terrier and a Jack Russell. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, it's so cute. What breed? Oh, it's a Boston it's Russell. It's a Boston Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has some breathing trouble, but he bounces a lot. Aww. <laughs> I think people would like Boston Russell. Yeah, I would take a Boston Russell. And the next year in 1984, Kurt Russell starred in the movie Swing Shift alongside Fred Ward, Ed Harris, and Goldie Hawn. So what has Goldie been up to? 
all this time. She was born in 1945 in Washington, D.C. Her mother was also a dancer and owned a jewelry shop. And her father was a band musician. Okay. So another arty another type artsy of family. family. Yeah, yeah. And she took ballet and tap lessons starting when she was three years old. In her early 20s, she moved to California and worked as a musical theater actress before getting cast in a sitcom called Good Morning World, where she played a stereotypical dumb blonde ty- kind right. of role. Right. She was like the girlfriend of the DJ or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a common part for her to get, certainly. Uh-huh. But in 1968, she joined the cast of the hit sketch comedy show Laugh-In, and her main shtick on that show was sort of a twist on the dumb blonde thing, because she'd like giggle and laugh through bits, but then turn it into like a perfectly delivered punchline. She's amazing. So, so good. Funny, yeah. And I totally see that. She probably got that type of role all the time. Oh, yeah. And was just like... So over yeah. it. She's like, let me skewer this. But they recognized how funny she really was yeah. and kind of gave her a chance to play with that. Yeah. And it's great. And as this hot, funny blonde, she was America's it girl in the late 1960s. Yeah, Goldie. So her, like, giggling character on Laugh-In is what led to her appearance in the family band, which is, of course, where she met Kurt Russell for the first time. Right. But she wasn't even credited in that film. You know, just total cameo appearance. They just want people in the audience to go, oh, that's the girl from (laughs) Laugh-In. But the very next year, she was cast in Cactus Flower, which is a movie adaptation of a stage play, with Walter Matthau and Ingrid Bergman. Big names. Yeah. And for her very first credited role on the big screen ever, she won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Is that not the dream? (laughs) And I mean... Put in one, get your trophy, get out. (laughs) Well, obviously, after this, her film career blew up. Uh Everybody wanted Goldie Hawn. So she started a few, like, successful comedies. Uh, There's a Girl in My Soup was one of them. Have not seen that one. Another great Um, title. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Butterflies Are Free is another one. Uh And then she got to go into more prestige films like The Girl from Petrovka and Spielberg's first theatrical film, The Sugarland Express. Mm. But you're not America's it girl without all the boys coming for you, right? So she was out there. I mean, she was hot. She was famous. She was getting out there. Funny. Fun. Also apparently has a voracious sexual appetite. Oh, really? (laughs) She said, yeah. Okay. Um, And so in 1969, she got married to a guy named Gus Traconis, Hmm. who was a dancer. He was actually one of the sharks in West Side Story, the original. Also, she and Gus share the same birthday, November 21st. Thought was interesting for a couple mm. to get together over that. But they ended up separating four years later in 1973. So Goldie Hawn then dated stuntman Ted Grossman. She dated a Swedish actor named Bruno Vinzel mm. and an Italian actor, Franco Nero, who's more famous. You've probably seen him in dozens of things. He was the bad guy in John Wick 2. Oh. Guys, speaking of Keanu. Uh, the guy who like sits down in the assassin's hotel with him, and he, mm-hmm. they're talking to each other. He's like, oh, "Wait, yeah. as soon as you leave here, I'm going to kill you." That's right. I yeah, that's him. him. After she, she went all over the world, she sure did. Yeah, <laughs> Swedish, Italian. Mm-hmm. But after officially divorcing Traconis in 1975, she married musician Bill Hudson mm-hmm. of the Hudson Brothers, and together they had two children, who you may have heard of, Oliver and Kate. You Kate know. Hudson of yes. Leggings fame. <laughs> but she filed for divorce from Bill in 1980. 
So they were just married for about five years. Mm. So it's the early 80s. Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell are both in their 30s, both divorced and both parents. And in 1984, they were cast opposite each other for the first time in Swing Shift. What follows is a hot, steamy, ridiculous romance that would lead to some of the best comedic pairings, a family line of impressive careers, and a fresh take on relationships that shows us that the standard model isn't for everybody. It's all coming up right after this. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. 
This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back to the show. Ho, ho. Oh, oh. <laughs> I see. I'm going to work it in as often as I can. (laughs) Now, Goldie said that when they were reunited for Swing Shift, she remembered meeting Kurt Russell on the set of The Family Band in 1966. Ah, yes. And that she had liked him very much. She thought he was adorable. But again, he was a teenager. She was in her 20s. You know, it wasn't happening. And they had both said they would never date another actor. Mm. But Kurt was just too smooth, Uh-oh. ladies and gents. He said he came to read lines with her for her audition, and it was the first time they'd met since 18 years earlier. But he was severely hungover. <laughs> <laughs> he explained in an interview with Conan O'Brien, quote, I just didn't have in my mind what I was going to see, and she had a great body. So the first thing that came out was, man, you've got a great figure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. He said he didn't even realize he was saying it. <laughs> but, you know, when you're so hungover that your brain and your mouth are not communicating right, anymore. Right. He just went straight from his eyeballs to his mouth. So he's like, oh, I could have gone so wrong. But she simply replied, why, thank you. Okay. Which does sound like a Goldie Whew. Hawn thing to say. Oh, sure. And she told People Magazine in 2017, quote, he was so good looking, but he had no pretense about him. I could tell right away that he was a womanizer. <laughs> and Damn. fellas... I, you know, look, it's not a, it's not a good line. No, I <laughs> would not try don't to repeat be like, his success. Well, if it worked for Kurt Russell, because here's the thing for everybody out there. A lot of things are going to work for Kurt Russell that aren't going to work for the rest of us. Exactly. And that's just the truth of the world. I don't like it. You don't like it. Kurt Russell likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell's fine with it. <laughs> but that's just that's just how it is. Kurt said they were both trying to keep work work and not mix business with pleasure. That's part of not wanting to date actors. You know, sure, sure. look, we're doing a project together. I don't want to muck it up and make mm-hmm. things challenging. And So they're not trying to get together. But there's a swing dancing scene in the movie. It takes place during World War II. And so Kurt suggested maybe they should go out at night and practice swing dancing at a club somewhere. Sure. And he says the only club in town that was doing swing was the Playboy Club. So <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they decide to go out there and they ended up just talking for two hours. He said they never even ended up dancing because they just hit it off so well. I love that type well. of thing. I know. Oh it's so great. And as he said on Live with Kelly and Ryan in an interview about this, one thing led to another. Mm-hmm. And Goldie invited him back to the house that she had just bought. And the problem was... She had just bought the house to renovate it, and it hadn't yet been renovated, and she didn't even have the key yet. Oops. So they go back to this house. I imagine they're a little tipsy from their night at the Playboy Club, (laughs) and they have to break in. Mm -hmm. So they break into the house, and she's showing him around this, you know, empty house, probably partly torn apart. And Kurt said of it, quote, 
We were looking around at imaginary furniture, and we went to the imaginary bedroom, and we were realistically having sex. <laughs> when suddenly, Kurt looked up, and he was blinded by a high beam flashlight. <gasps> It was the cops. They were no! surrounded. They had come out to investigate this break-in. I guess someone had tipped him off, <laughs> and uh, they almost got arrested. Kurt Russell called it "coppus interruptus." Oop, that's good. <laughs> uh, and so they explained to them that they owned the house, and Kurt said, "quote They told us to go get a hotel room, so we did." <laughs> Cute. He said it was such a fun time, and after that night, the two of them were inseparable. <laughs> I love this loyal neighbor that's like, no, not on my watch. Goldie Hawn will never be robbed while I'm here. <laughs> I wonder if later he's like, you can always count on me, Goldie. I called the cops. Right. When I saw this, the minute I saw that window smash. <laughs> she's like, th yeah, thank you so Kate, much. You ruined great. some really hot floor sex I was about to have <laughs> with Kurt Russell. But don't worry. We ended up having really hot all over the furniture sex at this hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now we have a great story. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They milked that one because it's in like 14 different oh, yeah. interviews I around would. 2007. Oh, my God. I would tell that story all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, they started dating. But Goldie said that what really made her fall for him was when her kids came to the set. And Oliver and Kate came occasionally to work with Goldie. And Kurt, who, of course, is a father himself, was amazing with them. He made time to hang out with them. He knew how to talk to them. They just they liked him back just as much as he liked them. Goldie said that was it for her. Yeah. Partly, probably, speculation station, but yeah. most likely it's because Bill Hudson, who is their, their biological father, basically split and didn't have anything to do with Oliver and Kate after he and Goldie divorced. In 2015, Oliver Hudson posted a photo of Bill, his biological father, on Instagram on Father's Day and captioned it, quote, Happy Abandonment Day. Ouch. While this year, Kate posted a picture of Kurt and wrote, quote, Our great loyal protector, our dependable, authentic captain, our wild, sometimes untamed adventurer father. He's one hell of a dad. Lucky us. Aww. And on his birthday, she posted that Kurt Russell was a, quote, never miss a show or a game kind of dad. Kids before anything kind of dad. It is a speculation, but it's probably pretty obvious that oh, yeah. that would be a powerful aphrodisiac yeah. on, on a woman to, to have her kids love her boyfriend so much. Absolutely. And then for him to be so great with them yeah. throughout their whole lives when they didn't have that kind of person in their life right. already. Right, Yeah, I could totally see that being very sexy. Yeah, definitely. Very sexy quality. Definitely. Especially if you already look like Kurt Russell. I know. She's like, first of all, you're sexy. Now you're being sexy? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Save some for the rest of us, Kurt. <laughs> and in 1986, Goldie and Kurt had a son together who was named Wyatt. And you might know him better as the guy you see and say, holy shit, that kid looks like Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> He looks just like him. He really does. Most recently as discount Captain America <laughs> in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. True. But actually he did such a good job on He's that show. He's so good in yeah, it. Yeah, I thought he did really well. Yeah, with yeah, he was very good. In 1987, people are out there wondering, when are we going to see Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn together again? Because mm -hmm. they know they're a thing. They're a hot Hollywood couple. Yeah. They got together on this movie. Let's, let's see them together again. We all want that. But Kurt Russell pointed out that they already had careers going. They weren't codependent people. 
and we'll see a lot of that moving forward in their relationship. They were happier not mixing business and pleasure, and they didn't want to just do like publicity stunt casting where everyone's just, you know, the whole point of the movie is that Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are together in it. Right. Um, They're like, we just want the movie to be good. Yeah, exactly. But then they got a script for a movie called Overboard. Wow. Everybody pulls their cars over again to get out and stand (laughs) up and cheer for Overboard. (laughs) The movie was written by Leslie Dixon, and the studio commissioned her to write Overboard based on a real incident in which a woman with amnesia washed ashore in Florida. Dixon said to Vanity Fair, quote, I was daunted from the get-go by the idea of amnesia as a central plot device, but I was in no position to complain. Someone was paying me to write a screenplay. <laughs> yes, I recognize that feeling. Yes, absolutely. She's I, well, like, I don't because nobody's ever paid me to write a screenplay, <laughs> but I know how it would feel. I'd be like, whatever you want, boss. I'll shut up and do it. Here I go. The Coca-Cola Overboard movie. <laughs> <laughs> But Dixon said Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn made it all work. Quote, they were newly in love and it shows on screen. They're so cute together that the audience loves it. And she said that she'd never before seen an actor say yes to a screenplay so quickly. Also, in a quick fling with history. Gotcha. Leslie Dixon went on to write Mrs. Doubtfire. Pay It Forward, and the remakes of Freaky Friday, Hairspray, and The Thomas Crown Affair. But in what she calls her proudest accomplishment, she was looking for the rights to a novel called The Dark Fields, which were owned by Harvey Weinstein. Yes, boo, children, boo for Harvey Weinstein. But she knew she didn't want to get involved with Miramax because of Harvey's reputation. And we all know Harvey only recently getting any jail time but his all the accusations against him i mean they've been coming out they've been leveled for decades yeah people he's his behavior has been a quote-unquote open secret which is the rudest so obnoxious dumbest turn of phrase we have maybe ever come up with anyway for a very long time so clearly she's like i'm hearing all these whisper whispers and i don't like them yeah even though they're maybe not substantiated you hear them enough who cares And she said, quote, I wasn't afraid of being harassed because he really only went for girls in their 20s and I was older than that. But I didn't want a telephone thrown at my head or to be screamed at. (laughs) Whoa, what a a lovely menu of options for you. (laughs) Hanging out with Harvey Weinstein. I'm too old to be sexually harassed, but I might get a phone thrown at my head. Yeah, pass. So without ever meeting Harvey in person, she made a deal with him. She would write the script for The Dark Fields for free. But if he didn't respond in a certain period of time, she would get the rights. And she said, quote, then I'm afraid I did a bad thing. I turned it in during Cannes Film Festival when I knew no one would read it. And time ran out and the rights were hers. (laughs) She said, quote, I tricked Harvey out of the rights without him ever meeting me, seeing me or knowing what I was doing. And Go, the movie, Leslie. I love it. Go, oh, Leslie. Get victory. him. <laughs> and that movie ended up being called Limitless, starring Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Which so, is a great movie, by the way. It is, it is good. I was really surprised how much I liked that and movie. And I think it did pretty well. Yeah. So yeah. good for Leslie Dixon. Yes. It's I not, love it. It's not easy to pull one over on Harvey Weinstein. No. That man's uh, evil hawk, but she got him. She got she him. She got him good. 
But Overboard gave audiences this Kurt Russell-Goldie Hawn pairing that they wanted to see, and this movie was, of course, a hit. Mm -hmm. Dixon said the film has endured, quote, because Kurt and Goldie are the two cutest individuals who have walked the planet. (laughs) The chemistry they had on screen is very rare. I lay it all on them. They are the movie. So true. I mean... mean, they are so cute. They're adorable. And that movie is like, as... as I, I would say D- Leslie Dixon has never met us. Well, but other than <laughs> us, then she's probably correct. <laughs> you've heard it live on air. It's officially out on the internet. Diana Brown says, I'm cuter than Goldie Hawn. <laughs> and hey, I agree, but... Maybe uh, not in her heyday, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, that movie's got its... Uh, uh, uncomfortable issues because he does oh, like right. you know gaslight this woman with amnesia into thinking he's her husband mm-hmm. and then she has to raise his kids and all this stuff that's and it's right chaos. that's right that's but, right you're right that's like true. leslie dixon <laughs> a little bit weird leslie dixon specifically was like i i took the lovemaking scene and i put it way late in the movie so yes. that it was already so she was she had decided to I do at that point not man. like i guess i should because he's my husband she's like nice. tried to Make it better. So, all right, this is the hottest couple in Hollywood, right? They've got this incredible chemistry on screen and off. Uh, They loved each other's kids. Everyone loves them together. So everybody's got the same question. When are we going to hear them ring-a-ding-ding wedding bells? Right, a Hollywood wedding. Right? Everybody's waiting for it, Mm -hmm. obviously. And in 1989, the two of them presented together for the Oscar for Best Director. They came out to like, you know, read the envelope the mm-hmm. Oscar goes to and they and they did a little scripted bit beforehand, I think, just to give give Hollywood and give the press a little taste sure. of what they were so hungry for. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll we'll reenact this exact conversation <laughs> from the from the awards. You can find it on YouTube. It's hilarious. Honey, I was just thinking back there that we fit perfectly into the theme of the show. Because we're co-stars, we're compadres, we're companions, and we're a couple. Yeah, there's only one thing that we're not. What? Married. (laughs) Is that a proposal? Well, uh, putting you on the spot, I guess now's a good time as any to answer that. But I, uh... Oh, look, they want us to speed things up. Listen, we'll talk about it later tonight. Anyway, the role of director needs no explanation. We will talk about that later tonight. So, you know, just a cute little bit they did. Also watch it because it looks like they just had sex before coming on stage. <laughs> I like, feel like they literally look like they are so giddy together. It's quite possible. I think maybe they did always just have sex <laughs> whenever you saw them. Uh, anywhere you go in Hollywood, the bathroom's closed and everyone's like, Kurt and Goldie in there again. I mean. I've been waiting for the bathroom for 15 minutes. They imply it constantly in their interviews. And <laughs> I did read one. Um, that Goldie and her husband, Bill, yeah. her ex-husband, they apparently had sex constantly in airplane bathrooms, in airports, in hotels, in like backstage, constantly. Wow. So Goldie Hawn, she's thirsty. And, Goldie Hawn likes to get it on. Hey, that should be her, <laughs> you should be her new publicist. I don't think she'd appreciate that, <laughs> <laughs> that focus. <laughs> So it was just a scripted bit, but of course, everybody is out there drooling over the idea of these two tying the knot. Mm -hmm. So what happened? When was the official proposal? Is love real or not? Come on, (laughs) Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, show us. Well, we will have the answer to that right after we jingle all the way to this commercial break. There you go. (laughs) 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, little girl, 
What would you like for Christmas? Uh, I'd like to come back to the show, I guess. Well, then we will get, be right back to the show. Here we are. Oh, thanks, Santa. Back to the show. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So the world was waiting for Kurt Russell to get down on one knee and give Goldie Hawn a big old ring and for the two of them to commit in holy matrimony and prove to us all that a love like theirs is everlasting and that a big fancy wedding ceremony is the way to show it. Well, sorry, world, but as Hoda Kotb said on the Today Show last year, Kurt and Goldie are, quote, the gold standard for living together and having a great relationship without getting married. When asked, Kurt Russell said, quote, well, we really didn't think about it that much. <laughs> and Goldie said, well, I thought about it. <laughs> but she said that marriage hadn't worked for either of them in the past. You know, again, they're both divorced. And... Though she didn't think it would necessarily not work again, they both just felt like it was unnecessary. Yeah. They found so much that brought them together, but they had a lot about them that was different, too. And Goldie points out that not getting married made them feel more free to have disagreements and differences, saying, quote, there's no such thing as divorce when you're not married. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which is true. And Kurt agreed. Although he said that for the sake of their kids, if the kids ever felt like that it was important for them, they would have done it. Oh, sure. um, you know, he's, if, if that was something that mattered, we would have done it. But Goldie said the kids didn't want them to. <laughs> they were strictly interested in building memories together and forming a strong familial bond and just bringing joy into each other's lives. At this point, right now today, they've been together for almost 40 years and they attribute that longevity to not being married. At a film panel in 2016, Goldie Hawn said, quote, If you like your independence, there's something psychological about not being married because it gives you the freedom to make decisions one way or the other. I chose to stay and Kurt chose to stay. And she told Women's Day magazine in 2007, quote, I think the secret is to know when to depend on somebody and when not to. It's important that you hold up your side of the house. I love that. I love that, yeah. Hold up your side of the house right. is such a great way of putting it. Because you you do. You need to have someone that you can rely on, mm -hmm. but that's what the other person needs too. So yeah, sure. you have to be that person. And then you also, on your own, you have to take care of yourself and your mm -hmm. own life. Mm -hmm. And if you're falling apart, you know, not able to handle your shit as an independent person, you know, it's right. kind of like, it's kind of like Tony Stark says to Spider-Man. <laughs> if... <laughs> If you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve the suit, yeah. right? Yeah. If you are, as a solo independent person, not full and complete, you know, then how are you as a partner? Yeah, I think it makes you a more challenging partner. Yeah. I mean, especially if, even if you are a whole person and then you're just the type to get real codependent right, and be right. like, oh, well, now that you're here, I don't have to do that stuff anymore right. that I used to do just fine when I was single. Right. Because, um, you know, people do that shit all the time. They just kind of go, I'm going to be wrapped up in you. That's yeah. You're going to be it for me. Right. And that's all I need. And they're like, suddenly I have not just myself, but a whole other person's whole life now is yeah. up to me. The quality of your life is completely down to me. That's yeah. not really fair. Right, right. Because then you have to concentrate on their quality of life over your own. Right. Um, or else you're going to hear about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it gets, it, it's just, just as she says, not very fair. So Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell had found this blend of like reliability and independence. And that's worked very well for them. Mm -hmm. The marriage, like the legally binding ceremony of it all, this was incidental and not like a requisite for a lasting bond. Yeah. 
And this seems to be the hardest thing for people to kind of grasp at first with sort of our traditional views of marriage and long-term relationships. Like there's kind of an inherent discrepancy between independence and a monogamous bond between two people. But Goldie said, quote, I already feel devoted. Isn't that what marriage is supposed to do? We both have independent finances. We're both well off. We've raised our children brilliantly and we didn't have to get married to do that. I like waking up every day and seeing that he's there and knowing that I have a choice. There is really no reason to marry. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up, too, about these two is they also had the means sure. to live like this. And not everyone does, which is another way to just put a spotlight on the fact that this is a unique relationship. Yeah. And this style of relationship works really well for people who can support themselves independently and don't have to worry about each other's careers and things like that. Um, that's great. That might not work for many, many other people. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> And of course, like none of anything she said ever stopped that tabloid rumor mill. Oh, okay, those tabloids. nothing ever stops them. And in 2018, reports came out that they were having knockdown, dragout fights, or that Kurt dumped Goldie on a phone call the same week that Goldie had been shopping for engagement rings. Like you know, it was all kinds of shit like uh -huh. that. The Globe reported in 2020 that they were canceling their wedding. Oh no. <laughs> Except there never was a wedding. There never was any ring. <laughs> there was never going to be a wedding, okay? That, that was all made up. That drove me extra crazy, too, because they they tried to do this thing where, oh, well, Goldie was wedding ring shopping. Like, this is all Kurt. Uh -huh. Like, Goldie's a, a woman, Goldie so wishes. she wants to get married. And mm -hmm. Kurt Kurt's a, a stud, and he wants to go out and not be tied down. And that's such a cliche story when, in fact... When I'm researching this story, almost everything I find about the explanation of their relationship comes from Goldie Hawn, yeah. who's very emphatically against getting married. Yeah. She almost seems to be the dry. I think Kurt Russell is totally into it as well, mm -hmm. but she's the one articulating it. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt and Goldie have long been one of Hollywood's sturdiest, most passionate couples. Again, every time you see them, they look like they just had sex <laughs> or they're about to go again. I don't yeah. know. And time and again, they attribute not getting married to their strength. Goldie said, quote, I'd long be divorced if we'd ever gotten married. If you need to feel bound to someone, it's important to be married. So, like, if you're the type of person who needs that paperwork yeah. in place to yeah. know for sure that y'all are good, yeah. then, yeah, you should get married. But she doesn't feel the need for that piece of paper right, necessarily right, right. or that ceremony or whatever right. about it that does it for you psychologically. Right. She's like, I'm good. I don't need that. They feel that they choose to be together every day, and that choice gives them strength and comfort. Mm. And it wasn't their own personal family history that led to this. Goldie points out that they both came from big, strong family units, lots of siblings, loving parents. But that element of it, the family aspect, was the only part that was important to them. And they made sure that that stayed true throughout their careers as Hollywood stars. She said, quote, we talked about relationships and commonality early on, and we had nannies, no doubt about it. We've both been working, but we are very present with our children. It's the same way we grew up. Yeah. And I, again, it's it's interesting because like, you know, we present this in a very eye opening kind of way. Right. A different way to look at marriages and things like that. I don't think she's inherently right about everything she says here. I don't think that 
people who choose to get married do it because they need to feel locked in. They they have to have that formal paperwork. I mean, some people get married for many different reasons. People don't get married for many different reasons, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of the whole point of the episode, I think, yeah, to kind of yeah, talk about. Totally. And of course, it's not always easy. Uh, and when you're Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, monogamy might be a little challenging, right? <laughs> she called it a tough order, monogamy. Uh, being young and hot and, you know, everybody wants to do you and, you know, maybe you want to do some of them back. I mean, right? Especially um, <laughs> Goldie's like a hottie with right. body and so is Kurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they exactly. both clearly are, got the drives to match. Yeah. But she told People Magazine that the key is how you deal with that as a couple. She said, you've got to accept it and you've got to be honest. She said, quote, it's like you really liked that guy, didn't you? Or you were looking at her. But my answer would be, of course, why not? She's beautiful. Would you want a man who doesn't look, who doesn't feel inspired by the beauty or the curves of a woman's body or the way that she is? I mean, come on, we're human beings. (laughs) Uh, She described a relationship as needing elasticity in this way and that if it gets stiff and dry like a rubber band, it's going to break. I mean, I kind of agree with that. Oh, it yeah. seems silly to me to be like, you don't have eyes in your head now that you're married uh-huh. and you can't see that someone's attractive. Right. And be like, wow, that person's attractive. I mean, it's different if you're like chasing them across a parking yeah. lot to get their <laughs> phone number. That's a thing that is a different behavior. Right. But just to be like, oh, there's a hottie in the freaking grocery store checkout line today is just like, cool, hot. I'm glad you saw something worth seeing today when you went out. (laughs) Right. right. I like to see a hottie every now and then myself. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Eyes need refreshing. You know what I mean? mean, Yeah. Check your partners. Make sure they're not leering. Right. Obviously. Um, You don't want to be gross. uh, Be like, oh, you know, if I'll catch, you know, your eyes across the table and turn around and be like, what what are you seeing right now? Oh, oh, I see. Yes server is like stunning thank you you're <laughs> <My> right <God. laughs> they are you know whoever it is right uh we can agree on that mm-hmm. that's something we enjoy together as a couple very true, very uh, true. Uh, so yeah we are definitely two gross people creeping on you <laughs> while we're out in public <laughs> but we will not chase you across the parking no. lot <laughs> no no respect yeah is the name key of the game <laughs> in 2020 Kurt and Goldie performed together for only the fourth time when Goldie was cast as Mrs. Claus in The Christmas Chronicles 2. Goldie said in an interview, I get a whole different kind of Kurt when I work with him that I don't get at home. He's so fun to work with. Not that he's not fun to be with, but I see his generosity in a way you can only see when he's working. That's, I get that That's about so true. actors. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, any work. I, I oh, think sure. Yeah. Sometimes you see it, it's that thing where you see someone being very good at right. what they do. Yeah. And whatever it is, even if it's something boring, it yeah. can be really attractive That's to see true. someone kind of in their element. Yeah. And you're like, I have friends that I feel that way about where I'm like, together, we're just goofing off and being stupid. But then, like, I see something professional you've yeah. put together, and I'm just so impressed by you. And yeah. I'm, like, so excited to see you in that light. It's a totally different person, totally. and it's exciting, and you're like, that's my friend or totally. whatever. So I, yeah, I just totally get that. I mean, we have that working together. I yeah. see that in you all the time. And, yeah, she said she was doing a scene with Kurt in Christmas Chron- Chronicles 2 where the camera was on him as Santa And she got so lost in the magic of him performing that she completely forgot to deliver her line, which is awesome. He must play a great Santa. Right. We've only seen the first one. We haven't haven't seen seen this this one one yet. yet. Mm -mm. And it's it's good. It's It's not my favorite Christmas movie, but it was cute. 
No. We'll probably watch the second one just for them. Our Christmas movie this year was Klaus and definitely watch Klaus it. is gorgeous. If you have Netflix. It's hilarious. It's so good. It's the Emperor's New Groove at Christmas. <laughs> it really uh, basically. is. It really it's is. a very similar movie, but it is the animation's Delightful. incredible. The cast Great is story. fantastic. The story is beautiful. Lovely. Watch it. It's so good. So Goldie Hawn said in an interview with James Corden that she and Kurt Russell were recently in bed getting ready to get busy when Ow! they suddenly had this spark of an idea to watch Overboard together. They had <laughs> never you know, seen some, it. Some couples are like, let's put on a porn tape tonight. Yeah, right. And they're like, let's look at ourselves as younger people. <laughs> well, they had never seen it from beginning to end. And she said it was so much fun. She said, quote, you know how sometimes you forget why you fell in love? I remembered everything. It was really something to be able to watch that. And they were just lying there in bed. They had a glass of wine each and they were just complimenting each other. She said Kurt kept turning to her and being like, you did that so perfectly. That's so funny. You're amazing. Love it. And then she said, and that was a huge turn on. <laughs> and we're left to imagine what happened next. Mm. Although, don't imagine too hard if you're driving right now. <laughs> right. Again, pull over. Get to a safe place. Get out of the car and <laughs> go ahead and imagine. Take us some breaths. <laughs> But there's one thing a wedding gives you that is tough to get anywhere else, and that is a solid day where people come together to celebrate your relationship. It's true. It's true. That is one of the main reasons I think that we got married. It's just like, <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean. No, yeah. it, That day is is amazing. It's it just is like, because nice yeah. you're not going to walk around telling everybody, our relationship's so great. We're so special. Now compliment <laughs> us, you know, but. You're like, well, maybe for one day we will do that. It's really too bad that we only save nice things to say about each other for special occasions yeah. like a graduation or a wedding yeah. or something like or that. Or a funeral. Or a funeral you know, when I'm not even alive to hear all this nice right? shit. <laughs> Hopefully nice shit. <laughs> I guess yeah. it depends Don't get on ahead of yourself. <laughs> a lot could happen Ooh. between now and, I might be so uh, I don't know, 80 years from now. You'll live Ooh. forever. I hope so. So, yeah, don't we all want that for Goldie and Kurt? I mean, we all want to celebrate their relationship and how wonderful it is. And fortunately, they sort of got a surrogate wedding ceremony in 2017. After 33 years together at that point and nearly 50 years in showbiz, they received stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in a special joint ceremony. And Kate Hudson was there, as well as other stars and co-workers like Quentin Tarantino and Goldie Hawn's superfan, Reese Witherspoon, who said, quote, every career choice I've ever made, I would think, would Goldie approve of this? And I have to say, Legally Blonde, yes, she would. Yeah, That would have been a Goldie role if it had happened, you know, a couple decades earlier. Absolutely. Everyone was there to see the two of them together in the many forums their partnership existed, from romantic to professional. Goldie joked, can we just get married? We've never had a celebration like this before. (laughs) When Kate Hudson took the stage to speak, she said, quote, I was slotted to talk about my mother, but I have two parents and they're both here. I always thought I'd be talking about them at a wedding or something, but since a wedding doesn't seem to be in our near future, this seems to be my only opportunity. (laughs) And she continued that the two of them always put their family first and that despite their huge careers, they worked hard to maintain normalcy at home with their kids. And when Kurt spoke, he said, quote, Goldie, to you, I owe my wonderful life. Simply put, Goldie, I cherish you. 
All the stars in the sky or in the boulevard don't hold a candle to that. There's no one else I'd rather be next to than Goldie Hawn. I mean, what more do you need? What more can what you say? More That's could beautiful. You need? I also just love that Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson had this great dad in their life. Yeah. Because it yeah. clearly, I mean, with Oliver Hudson's post about right. Happy Abandonment Day, clearly it's not something that they're like, you that you get over. I don't think that's something you get over. Right. But it's so nice to know that there was somebody there to be awesome to them and yeah. be their dad. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I mean, you know. As somebody and awesome, that someone was Kurt. I was just going to say, as somebody awesome goes, Kurt Russell, you right. could get less awesome than that. <laughs> and I don't agree with everything Kurt Russell's ever said or done. Oh sure, um, no. But uh, but he does seem like a guy who supports the people he loves. Uh, you know, cares more about his family than work. You know, mm-hmm. and for a guy whose work is being Kurt Russell, right. that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I also love way. how often it seems to be such a joke in the family. Yeah. Like that Goldie would be like, can we just get married already? Yeah, I right. mean, like she doesn't even want to, but, uh-huh. you know, she's willing to make a joke. <laughs> or Kate Hudson's like, I thought I'd save it for a wedding, but what wedding? <laughs> I mean, right? Am I right? Like, <laughs> just, I love that, like, yeah, totally. they're all, they're all just always joking about it. Right. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, it's so awesome that it totally works for them, obviously. Right, right. Um, but I will say, just speaking as a couple who were together for, shit, eight years before well, it was we got six married? years before we got engaged, and then two more, yeah, eight mm-hmm. years before we got married, yeah. Yeah, it took us a while to get to that stage right. of our relationship. Yeah. And I know that we talked about it several times, and... Two. <laughs> we talked about it twice. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like I mean, in that. earnest... We, you know, as a serious conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, we anyway, yeah. we talked about it. And um, <laughs> I think, yeah, for, for a while it wasn't really a big problem one way or another because yeah. it did feel like Goldie says, you're just like, what What do I what need that for yeah. if, if we're happy, we're happy? I right. don't know if I need any proof of that happiness. Right. But there did come a point for me, at least, I, I don't know about you, but I, I certainly got to a point where I was like, I, I don't know why, but I really need something. It might just be society brainwashing me and it's working. I don't know. But I <laughs> I really feel like I need another stage and I don't know why, but it just feels like no, yeah, like nothing to me right now. It's just happening because we happen to be stuck together, but not because we want to be together. I guess is how it felt, or something. I don't know. Well, I can't. I wish I could have had better words for it. But I, I proposed unprompted, mm-hmm. so uh, it did happen for me too. You know, um, <laughs> but you know, it, we just decided that was what we wanted to do next, and I think that's mm-hmm. all it really comes down to. There's not really yeah. a whole lot of analysis to go around it. At a certain point, at least for me, I I was like, I don't. It's not something I feel like I need or want right now, mm-hmm. and that then later I did. Yeah. You know, and not in such a way of like, well, I want it now, but then later it might change back again. But rather, and I think this is hugely important when you're talking about marriage, an absolute certainty mm. that, yeah, I'm good with this now. And I know that I will not want to change that in the future. Yeah. And that is something you can only know to a certain degree, of course, because... Things change, people change, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But that you can still have that certainty. And to me, I think being together for six years before we decided we want to get married was important because if you get married earlier before you're certain, then right. you know, you're setting yourself up for potentially a divorce, which mm-hmm. or feeling locked together 
in something that you didn't want. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think that people should take their time with it. I really think. Sure. And you may know. You may yeah. know a year and a half in or, or sooner. sooner. There are people who, I mean, there's plenty of just like success stories where absolutely. a month went by and we're new and we're still happy years yep. later after many children. Yep. So yep. it's very true. No one can put a timeline on it. And nothing. And it might be it might be a long time before you know. I right. mean, it's, there's just no right answer. Nothing about our relationship specifically changed. No. It was just, well, I remember we were in Orlando mm -hmm. and having one of the best trips we've ever had of our many wonderful trips. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking on that trip, and I knew that you were interested in getting married. You'd, you'd meant, like I said, you'd mentioned it a few times, but we're never pushy about it or No, I wasn't like picking out a ring to no, show you, you or something. Just like, I was just like, yeah, that'd be nice probably. If that was a thing that happened, I'd be happy for so that to happen. I, I knew you'd say yes. I was pretty <laughs> certain. Um, but I definitely thought on that trip, you know what? Yeah, yeah, not going to turn around on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and started thinking about it and, and figuring out what to do. And then got a ring from my mom, from my great, mm -hmm. great, great grandmother. We don't know exactly when it's from, but a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, and then carried it around for a little while before uh, a Christmas proposal, which brings That's us right. right back to. I was going to say this. Christmas yeah. is very special for us yeah. because you did propose on Christmas. Yep. It was a it was a banner year at, at our house because yes. I had a I had bought him a playstation 4 uh-huh which is my big gift yeah and she's here thinking oh i got I the thought biggest I had the gift. Big old gift he's gonna have and nothing and so i had an envelope in the tree with <laughs> tickets to Pat oswalt that was one of my gifts uh-huh friend of the show Pat oswalt and then i had this playstation 4 game that i was gonna make you open uh -huh. and then you were gonna say and you did it perfectly you didn't know but you did it perfectly you were gonna say oh babe this is a playstation 4 game i, I have a playstation 3 and uh -huh. i was like oh shit oh my god i'm so stupid i didn't even look like i just knew you wanted the game Oh, whatever. We'll just go return. I was all miffed about it. Yep. And then you and opened up your PlayStation 4 and it was a trick. I said, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to have to go make a return. I know, right? <laughs> Horrible. The worst what the thing horror? in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had also hung your present in the tree That's and right. did a hot or cold thing. I was like, That's your present right. is in the tree too, but you got to find it. Mm -hmm. Hot, cold, hot, cold. And then you finally found this sparkly ancient mm -hmm. ring on the branch uh-huh yep so cute and yeah and later i was real nervous yeah um because you'd said you hung a present in the tree and i was like oh i don't want oh, you to no. find didn't want her to find it and be like what the fuck is this ring where did this come from i wonder if i would have put it together or not i'm not yeah. sure because i wasn't expecting it so yeah. i'm not sure i'm like was this in the ornament like, box what is this i'm like oh yeah i guess i guess it's an weird. ornament no, i don't know it looks nice the hook fell off uh -huh. <laughs> i don't know but yeah, and then when I pulled it, I was like this, and I turned around, and he was on one knee, and it was so cute. Oh, I did get on one knee. You did. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you mad about it? <laughs> yeah, it's not my style, but well, I, I it guess it cute. is. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was your style. And then after we did get married, I think we both remarked that we felt a really strong bond. Like even after eight years of being together, we did have a honeymoon phase yeah, kind of yeah. where everything was just so sparkly and lovely and everything yeah. felt great. And, you know, it was oh, so... Those were the days. I know. Where's that energy? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It was just... Yeah, it, no, and it was like, even definitely. though it's something that seems like stupid, silly, outdated tradition and certainly is for many people, it, right. it can actually have an effect on you psychologically, I guess, because yeah, yeah. it, it did to me anyway. Yeah. I was like, I feel really special right now. And yeah. Just we felt very special, I guess. 
And I think all that together with Kurt and Goldie's story, sort of side by side, you, you can see that it is different for everyone and people have different needs and people get different things out of their relationship. I think that Goldie and Kurt have their own version of like a honeymoon phase or whatever. And maybe it was their way of understanding of coming to a point in their relationship where they said, no, yeah, this is forever. And we just know that. Yeah. And we I, I, I do like that idea of we choose that every day. Yeah. You know, I wake up in the morning and it's not about being free to choose not to do it, mm-hmm. but it's rather about finding excitement in saying, wow, damn, I chose again yeah. another day. And every day becomes this like decision that you're making. And yeah. I can see the strength in that. I can see why that's, you know, a, a passionate thing for them. Well, and it's such a great thing to take with you, even if you're not, even if you are married. Yeah. To, to say every day you wake up and you do yeah. choose that person yeah. because you choose not to divorce them. I mean, yeah. you do. Yeah, it's true. So it, it is nice to think of it that way. And like some every days. Every day I'm choosing yeah. you and I'm choosing our life together. And some days it's that. Sometimes it's every day I'm choosing. Today I chose mm-hmm. to be with you and I love that. And then other days it's like, oh, I chose. Yeah. I chose this. And I think about my this choices. This was my decision. <laughs> And continues to be, well, we all live with our choices, don't we? I'm going to go home and really think about my choices. And then she says something hilarious. And you're like, good choice. Good choice. Because <laughs> she does. She says hilarious things. Um, both Diana and Goldie Hawn. Well. Hilarious partners. If I can get to Goldie Hawn standards, I'll be very happy. <laughs> Well, I just hope that the warmth of Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell carries you through this winter. Yeah. Um, Or if you're one of our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope the coolness of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn keeps you chilled through the summer. Keeps you chilled out. (laughs) Either way, they got the temperature for you. That's right. Yes. (laughs) They are both hot and very cool. Yes. Um, So, yeah, this is a, a fun, sweet story. Mm-hmm. Uh, to talk about for for the holiday season, yeah, again another perspective. Just yeah. a kind of we call it ridiculous, but it's just a different a different way to live, a different way to love. Totally, and that's kind of a, a running theme in this show, I think. And if you're interested, we did want to do an episode on the actual Santa and Mrs. Claus, but. Yeah. Mrs. Claus was like added to the legend of Santa in like the 50s or something right. by like a child's a children's book author huh. or something like that. And it's not that exciting of a story, <laughs> unfortunately. I guess they were just kind of like, man, this old man just lives in a house with a bunch of elves. Maybe give him a wife so it don't seem like a pervert. <laughs> Making name's... toys for children, breaking into houses. He's got several names. Santa Claus, uh, Saint Nick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever you want to call him. Father Christmas. Right. Uh, what's her name? How about Mrs.? She don't even have a first name. <laughs> she does in the Santa Claus Three. That's that's right. Elizabeth Mitchell. That's right. Uh, who, bless her heart, is really giving it all in that movie, <laughs> which is a weird movie. It is a weird movie. But well, uh, in the in the original story, he did not yeah. give her a name. She's just Mrs. Claus, and she bakes cookies, and she's that's it. Well, and I looked up Saint Nicholas to mm-hmm. see what's there. Although you know, saints classically unmarried people. <laughs> But um, famously unmarried. <laughs> so true. But uh, St. Nicholas, I heard, was, you know, this old man who the the one story I found was that there was like a classic farmer with three daughters kind of situation. Oh, sure. And they didn't have a dowry. So none of them could get married. 
So, you know, they were all going to starve. And St. Nicholas, this guy Nicholas, came by the house and in the dead of night, he would just throw pouches of gold into the window because he was independently wealthy and he didn't he didn't. Oh, care. so he just wanted to give them. So he dowry. just wanted to give them. So That's he, cute. yeah, he tossed gold through the window at night, and they woke up and they were like, "Oh my god, we have money!" The daughters were all married off. The family thrived. Um, That's but nice. I couldn't find anything about those daughters beyond that mm, legend. So right. it was like, well, it's not a full episode. But man, too bad Santa doesn't show him a bag of gold now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That'd be pretty dope. <laughs> I could have put that in my Christmas letter, <laughs> dear Santa. Parents are like, please don't promise a bag of gold. <laughs> okay, I'll, it was enough to get although, a fucking remote control car. <laughs> look, bag of gold might be cheaper than a PlayStation Five right now. Oh, so <laughs> shit, that is so true. We need to check the price of the exchange. <laughs> yeah, what's gold worth these days? Two uh, today, PlayStation Five. Oh, Santa 5s. left you. Uh, Point zero 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 one of a Bitcoin, Timmy. <laughs> Santa left you thirty eight thousand Dogecoin. <laughs> wow, he really cheaped out this year. Wow, didn't he? Santa must be broke. <laughs> Santa could not hold it to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, mm-hmm. look, y'all go go enjoy your holiday. Whatever that means for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for tuning in. And thank you for sticking with us through this year yeah. uh, and joining us in this amazing show. We've got more episodes to come. We'll be back next week um, before New Year's. And I think we can't wait to bring you another story. Never can. So, yeah, thanks as always for joining us. If you, Please let us know what you think about this story, about the show, about Christmas, whatever. We, however you're celebrating. Uh, whether you're hot or cold <laughs> this <laughs> Christmas, wherever you are. Uh, we are romance at iheartmedia.com. That's right. Or find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at oh great, it's Eli. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And the show is at Ridic Romance. And you are awesome for listening. Thank you so much. Yes. We love you. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we'll see you next time. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. 
Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 